recorded live in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Trivial Warfare. More than just a pub quiz, Trivial Warfare is your gateway to a worldwide trivia community. Join your hosts, Jonathan. We just described Ric Flair as the Neanderthal <laughs> man in Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Chris. Yo, we going down to Sesame Street. That's, that's, that's your impression of hardcore rap? No. <laughs> Carmella. That would irritate the hell out of me. I'm like, I just want my groceries. <laughs> my ice cream is melting. Ben. Four halogens in that list. Oh, my God. You were like, it's not the halogens. I'm like, no, Ben, no. Those damn halogens got me again. <laughs> and the rest of the Trivial Warfare Army for another week of fun and games. Now here's your host, Jonathan Oaks. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Trivial Warfare. We are the podcast that takes the pub quiz out of the pub and brings it home to you. My name is Jonathan and... Today is episode number 272. I am joined today by Ben Young. Hello, Ben. Good afternoon. Welcome back, Ben. Thank you. I am here today with Mr. Chris Hollister. Hello, Chris. This is the new and improved Chris Hollister with uh, microphone uh, grip action going on today. You sound so much better, dude. I'm so happy. Yep. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and we it's have, good to be back on. We have some awesome guests today. First up, Mr. Addy Lewis. Hello, Addy. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Welcome back, my friend. Thank you, sir. And we, we have Tamara Fleischman with us today. Hello, Tamara. Hello. So glad to finally be on the show. Oh, we're so excited to have you. So let's get to know you a little bit better. Why don't you tell everybody where you're from, what you do, and something fun about yourself. I am an accountant in Orange County, California. I am a big trivia fan. I listen to most of the trivia podcasts that beyond yours that you've kind of posted about. What else about me? I have two kids who are nine and four and are going absolutely crazy being locked up in the house. (laughs) I know that feeling. So dad's got them in the garage playing hockey this morning. So hopefully that goes well. I'll go dad go. (laughs) You said you had two kids and I'm seeing the, the tree behind you. And I was like, oh, she has two cats. Oh, no, I have one of those, too. Yeah, that's a nice, that's a fancy cat tree you have behind you. That is a deluxe cat tree for sure. Yes, yes. he. It's the only one we've been able to get him to sit on. So, you know. Worth it. Yep. Well, we are so glad that you're here. And uh, Addie, why don't you remind everybody where you're from, what you do, and something fun about yourself. Hey, everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm Addie. I'm from southwest Scotland, uh, Dumfries, home of Robert Burns and very aggressive seagulls that keep attacking me. I work for local government. I do income reconciliations, so keeping the money flowing for local government, which means I'm a key worker in these troubled times. Uh, something fun about myself. My definition of cute is rather different from most people's. Most people coo over uh, puppies and kittens. I think things like spiders and scorpions are really cute, which is why my team mascot for today is this little, is, well, you can't really see it, but it is a plush Cthulhu about palm sized. <laughs> it's adorable with big beady eyes. And that's my idea of 
cute. <laughs> so, Chris, how do you feel like? Uh, how do you feel about your team mascot being your new Lord and Master Cthulhu? Yes, as long as he stays on Addy's side of the pond, I'm good with it, man. <laughs> well, that's that's super creepy. Man. Hold on, I'm gonna. I, I here. I got my uh, twenty sided dice out right here, and uh, I'm ready to roll up against it. <laughs> okay, I rolled a fifteen. Uh, does that good or bad? I have no idea. It depends on Addy and what he says. <laughs> Well, a natural 20 would be ideal, but this is pretty good. <laughs> All right. So uh, I think it's time for us to get started with a warming up Chris question. It's time to warm it up on Trivial Warfare today. And there's only one person who can warm it up for the TWA. And that's Chris. And sometimes Jonathan. All right. So um, I decided on a nice, fun warm it up, Chris question for today. Uh, ben Kirk uh, wrote this for us. So Ben, thank, thank you, you ben. very much, sir. And Ben was channeling his inner Ben Young, as a matter of fact. And here's why, dear Chris, or hey Chris, I had an idea for a warm it up, Chris question. Obviously, since you sent it to me, so thank you, Ben. And it says, are are the following actual produced versions of the classic board game Monopoly are the ones that I made up called Monopoly? Uh, see what I did there or see what he did there. So I'm going to ask you, is this an actual Monopoly board or is this his Monopoly board? All right. Okay. All right. So Jonathan sounds super excited about this. Let me tell you. So we're going to start with Jonathan. <laughs> All right. I'm and ready. Jonathan, you get a Christmas story Monopoly. Not real. It is real. Chance and community chest are replaced by triple dog dare and a major award. And tokens include a bar of soap and a leg lamp. Wow. I know, right? That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, that is not bad. Tamara, this is something from your neck of the woods. American Chopper Monopoly. Get to the chopper. <laughs> I'm going to say that's real. It is real. Great job. Each property is named after a custom bike that was produced on the show. All right. So, Ben, you get Beanopoly. B-E-A-N-opoly. Beanopoly? Yes. Uh, I think that's one of Ben's monopolies. Oh, I'm sorry. It's actually real also. It's a coffee-themed game, and uh, electric and water companies are replaced by cream and sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm All right, buy, so I want to buy the cream and sugar for sure. <laughs> Addy, you get boozopoly. I actually have a couple of weird variations of Monopoly. That I'll see if, come up, if they come up in this round. Boozopoly? I can imagine that being real. I'm sorry. That's the first Monopoly. That is the fake one that he made up. All right, Jonathan. Yo. You get DIYopoly. Not real. It is real. Damn. Go is replaced by go to work or get to work, and jail is replaced with hire a contractor. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Tamara, you get Episcopoly. E-P-I-S-C-O-P-O-L-Y. So like Episcopal. the church. Yes, mm-hmm. like the church. I'm going to say real. It is real. It's filled with respectful humor about the realities of building and maintaining an Episcopal church. Wow. Okay. Wow. Doesn't that make you excited to get that game? <laughs> All right. So, Ben, you get Firefighter Monopoly. Firefighter Monopoly. Yes. That's a Monopoly. No, it is real, my oh. friend. Chance at Community Chester replaced by Backdraft and Flashover. 
So, uh, Addy, I'm going to have to spell this one for you because, uh, per the usual, I can, I probably can't say this right, but this is okay. Gallup. This is Gallup Olaopoly. It's G A L I P O L O P O L Y. Is it Gallipoliopoly? Gallipoliopoly. <laughs> okay. Now, that raises the question did they make this in commemoration of the 100th anniversary of the Gallipoli landings or something? I- I'm going to go with fake. It is fake. It was actually made up in a Simpsons episode known as Brawl in the Family. I remember that now, yes. Yes, yep. and also Edna Caropoli was in it as well. <laughs> oh, yes, there was an Edna Caropoli. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, uh, let's go to the next one. So, Jonathan, you get Hello Kitty Monopoly. That's going to be real. That is real. Luxury tax is replaced with buy gifts for friends. Aww. <laughs> All right, Tamara, you get Mrs. Monop- or Ms. Monopoly. Excuse me, Ms. Monopoly. Hmm. That one's a little trickier. Is that M-I-Z, Mizopoly? Is that like no, something by M- the Miz? M- A- nope. <laughs> nice. That's well played. No, Ms. M-S, Monopoly. I'm going to go with made up. It is real. Ms. Monopoly is the niece of rich Uncle Pennybags, and properties are replaced with notable in- inventions by women, including retractable dog leashes and chocolate co- chip cookies. Generated controversy online because, among other reasons, male players collect only the standard 200 Monopoly dollars from Pass and Go. However, female players collect 240. The, an- the advert for that went viral recently for all the wrong reasons. It is unbelievably horrific it's a tv advert that's that talks like it's sort of promoting women in stem and stuff and stuff like that and about winning nobel prizes and things like that and then it goes on to be this be an advert for that it oh, is wow. the most crass horrific thing oh, ever if i, I did knew that, see that if i didn't know that i probably wouldn't have brought that one into it's, it's really no it's it's like a, an offensively bad advert Wow. All right. So, Ben, your Monopoly is New York Times Monopoly. Is it real or is it Monopoly? It's a Monopoly. Monopoly. It is a Monopoly. Well done. All right. So, Jonathan, this is our last round, and then we'll get into our episode. Jonathan, you get Photoopoly. Fake. It's fake, Ben. It's real. Damn it. It's real, Jonathan. You customize it with your own photos on various themes for each property, including weddings, birthdays, and baby showers. Do it yourself. Tokens include a block of cheese. I don't know why a block of cheese, but sure. Okay. I read an article the other day that said cheese changes the same parts of your brain chemistry that heroin does. Whoa. Okay. Mm. Yeah. All right. So, Tamara, you get socialism monopoly. (laughs) (laughs) i bet that's amazing (laughs) i'm gonna go with monopoly it is real it is an official monopoly parody community chest is replaced with a community fund that all players pay into and draw from if the community fund ever runs out of money everybody loses nobody (laughs) the game never ends Everybody gets right. the same amount of money going around the board every time, That's and nobody right. charges anybody for, for anything. <laughs> so, Addy, you get the Three Stooges Monopoly. Ooh, I'd, I'm, I'd like to think that's real, so I'm going to say real. 
It is real. Tokens include a seltzer bottle and cream pie. It's is it spelled differently? Is it Hey Mo Napoli? <laughs> if not, it should be hundred <laughs> percent. All right, Ben, your last one is Waffleopoly. Waffleopoly. I've seen that before. That is real. It is real. Exclusive for Waffle House Waffle employees. House. Yep. And properties refer to actual Waffle House locations chosen by an internal contest based on store performance. Yep. My wife so, used to work for the Waffle House headquarters. Whoa. Oh, wow. Did not know that. So before I do the uh, the finale of Warm It Up, Chris, Addy, you said you wanted to show us your uh, monopolies. Yeah, I had two. Uh, one of which is the Princess Bride monopoly. Whoa. Oh, that's crap. In the wrapper. Yeah, I haven't actually opened it yet, which it changes basically everything. So the houses are little thatched cottages and the hotels are castles. And the other one is slightly more conventional. It's Alan Turing Monopoly. <laughs> uh, wow. It's real. It's official. I got it at Bletchley Park, which is also what replaces the most expensive property. It changes uh, the taxes to things like silver bullion and war tax. Wow. Wow. Yeah. There we go. That's hardcore. All right. Impressive. And thanks to Ben Kirk. Uh, that is your Warmer Chris question of the episode. So thank you, Ben. Very cool. All right. Hey, if you haven't been getting enough Trivial Warfare in your life, remember there are two exclusive episodes that you aren't getting unless you're a patron. Uh, if you're interested in getting four episodes a month, just head over to TrivialWarfareArmy.com and sign up as a lieutenant or higher. We have been doing some awesome bonuses lately. Uh, we have an After Dark episode that's going to come out sometime in the next month or so. We had a bunch of, uh, well, we had two different brackets coming out. And coming soon is a little something that's going to be called Trivial Warfare Takeover, which uh, I'm editing right now. And it's pretty great. And you're not going to know anything about it unless you're a patron. Because that's wow. the only place that's going to be available. So. Oh, my. If you want to be a patron, TrivialWarfareArmy.com. All right. Uh, today's game. It's going to be a fun one. It's Chris and Addy versus Tamara and Ben. Jonathan is hosting, and it's time to play the game. Play us. Oh, yeah. Y'all know what time it is. This is Mr. Literature himself, cordially inviting you to the game. This is six rounds of trivia goodness. Three questions per round. Every right answer gets you 10 points. In the middle, we'll take a pause for the cause and ask a midpoint question worth up to 20 juicy points. After round six, you can wager any or all those points you've been building up and take a shot at the final round. It's a series of theme-based questions we call the gauntlet. It's just that easy, baby. But this game ain't gonna play itself, players. Let's get it on. So, I don't get to, I don't host often because I'm usually really busy and so I run out of time to write questions, but uh, I'm hosting today and so I got to write questions and I got to tell you, I really love that. Uh, we'll see how these play, but I know I enjoy the process of creating them. So here we go. Round one, question one, your category is, surely you can't be serious. Hmm. And your question is, in the TV show, what's happening now? From the late 70s, Raj co-owned Rob's Place with what other character who worked in the restaurant? All right, we're locked in. Chris and Addy. So, Addy, this is a uh, not a reboot. What's the word for it? It's a, uh, I mean, the original show is called What's Happening. 
and, and spinoff. Thank you. Yeah, it's a spinoff of what's happening called What's Happening Now. The only thing I could think of is like uh, his best friend was a guy by the name of Rerun, and Rerun had the uh, best suspenders in the business. Fred Berry. Because I don't think he had a little sister named D, and I don't think D was in the uh, was in the uh, second series, and I don't think his other the skinny best friend. I don't think he was in it, and I can't I have, remember his name. I have never heard of what's happening or what's happening now, which is why in the thinking tank I didn't look like I was doing anything. It's because I simply messaged Chris saying, "Never heard of this. Sorry, got nothing." Fair enough. <laughs> this is all I can contribute. Uh, the category name refers to the film Airplane, and that's as much, you know, Leslie Nielsen saying, don't call me Shirley. Yeah, that's that, true. Okay. That's, that's as much as I have. I don't know if, a, if that's a clue or a reference or something, but. Well, actually, there is a character named Shirley. What was the category again that he said? Did he say Shirley? No, you said seriously can't be serious. Is that right? Surely you can't be serious. And don't call me Shirley. And don't call me Shirley. It's yeah. Leslie, yeah, it's, it's yeah Leslie that's Nielsen's the second part character. of it. Yeah, I don't think he's going to give the name no. of the person. Yeah, because, I mean, there was um, a per- I remember a character. Be- Honestly, if you've never seen it, I really 100% don't know. I say let's just lock in with Rerun and move on. Okay. All right, we're locked in with Rerun, Jonathan. Ben and Tamara. We had a similar conversation. Uh, Tamara's never heard of the show. I was trying to remember it. I, I do remember the show. I didn't think it was Shirley because you you gave us that name in the title, so we went with rerun. Well, you guys, you walked away from my clue. Shirley, you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Shirley mm. was the character who co-owned wow. the restaurant with Raj. Oh. I Dang gave it to you Dang on bait. a silver platter. Bait. <laughs> yeah. What's annoying is that I've done exactly the same thing in my own quizzes several times. They're literally the category name has been the answer to one of the questions. I did it because I'm like, okay, just in case they don't remember the show at all, let's make this a round one, question one, easy peasy. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay, zeros. <laughs> so Shirley Hemphill, uh, her, Loved her. her stand-up is uh she said one of the funniest jokes i've ever heard in stand-up she said that her hair is so nappy that when she combs it it sounds like someone is eating apples (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) you have to be familiar with black hair to know what that is but it's one of the funniest things ever Oh, that's amazing. Uh, By the way, what's happening? Low-key, one of the best theme songs of all time. Oh, yes. Oh, I love that. So good. That's the best. All right. Round one, question two. Your category is, my, what big ears you have. The process of stretching an earlobe piercing beyond that which is needed for a standard earring is known as what? A reference to the size of the devices used to stretch the earlobe. All right. uh, We're locked in, uh, lady and gentlemen. We both messaged each other the same answer. We both thought that it was gauging in reference to a gauge. Yep. So we locked in with that. All right. Ben and Addy. uh, No, Chris and Addy. Yeah, we also locked in with gauge. The size of the things that they use to create those larger holes, they go up by different, like, uh, quarter inch, blah, blah, blah. And those size differences are called gauges. It is gauging. Nice. Nice. So you'll take the singular? Yes. Or the, okay, or the noun, I guess. Yep, I'm giving it to you. Yep. All right, round one, question three. Your category is science. 
What disease, known for killing 30% of the people it infected, was completely eradicated from the face of the earth as per a 1980 announcement by the World Health Organization? This came roughly 180 years after the development of the first vaccine targeting the disease was created. All right, we're locked in. I think this is polio. I was thinking smallpox, but I don't. 1980, 180 years, 1800. Hmm. Well, we have a tough decision here. Because <laughs> those are both both good-sounding answers. I think that smallpox is deadlier than polio. I think you can live with polio. It just dif- disfigures your body, right? That is true. My grandfather survived polio, so... Okay. Um, then let's go with smallpox here. I'm good with that. All right. We'll lock in with smallpox. Yeah, I was hoping you were going to go the other way on that one. The other, the it's quite, It seems quite appropriate that the first disease officially eradicated was the first disease, the disease that was ever vaccinated against. It was by Edward Jenner and derived from... Uh, from what from his work on cowpox, it, uh, the answer is smallpox. And he told you everything you needed to know. The correct answer is smallpox. All right. Good job, Tamara. All right, all right, all right, all right. At the end of the first round, score is 20 to 20. Yeah. Round two, question one, your category is, you know, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> In the Matrix movies, Morpheus's ship shares a name with what ancient Babylonian who is remembered in the Bible as the destroyer of Solomon's temple? Chris, I can lock in on this. I'm 100%. Okay, sounds good. Can you just, uh, after you write it down, can you just text it to me so I know? <laughs> I just rewatched the whole trilogy a couple weeks ago, which is totally <laughs> unlike me, but I had, a, is. I had a burr up my saddle, and so that <laughs> led to this question. Yeah, um, so y'all locked in? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to invoke the first meow meow of the day. I have three meow meows on this. <laughs> uh, name of the ship was the Nebuchadnezzar. So Tamara, we're, yeah. with Tamara, we're yeah, all looking I'm for a reaction that. from you when he says that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Glad, glad he has three meow meows. I wasn't 100% on that one, but uh sounded right when he said it. So we're locked in. All right, Addie and Chris. Yep, that is absolutely uh, Nebuchadnezzar, 100%. Correct answer is the Nebuchadnezzar. Good job. All right. Yeah, Addy crushed that one. Crushed it! I think Nebuchadnezzar is the guy who's associated with the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Uh, is that right? He's associated with the Tower of Babel, if I'm not Tower crazy, from a biblical perspective. No, it's the other one. Tower of Babel was thousands of years before Nebuchadnezzar. Yep. It, yeah. it is the Hanging Gardens? Okay, my bad. It's more likely to be Hanging Gardens because Tower of Babel was like before Abraham. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar was uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay. Favorite Bible names. Yep. Very cool. Thank you for clarifying that. I said clarifying. I meant clearing that up and clarifying, and I came up with clarifying. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. Release the house. It sounds like a new drink for Ben to try at the next episode. Ever clarifying. Sounds like a a, a deleted question from the recent Portmanteau's 1DS. Right? (laughs) All right, here we go. Round two, question two. Your category is war. 
What is it good what for? What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Sergeyne! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, That's awesome. I totally took your thunder. I'm sorry, man. I love it, dude. Are you was, kidding me? Rude. It's amazing. All right, Chris, I love you, man. <laughs> All right, Joan of Arc, saint and heroine of France, took action after she says she received visions from the archangel Michael and various other saints instructing her to support Charles VII and recover France from English domination as a part of what war? Uh, Chris, I am 100% yeah. on this. I got the answer before Jonathan read the question. Yeah, you did. No, you did. I was going to say lock it in. All right. Tamara and Ben. All right, <sighs> Tamara. So I'm trying to figure out the time frame we're talking about here. This is the Middle Ages, correct? I believe so. I know Joan of Arc. I can tell you many things about her. Most of them were in the question. Got it. <laughs> yeah, I know she's, uh, I think she's from Orléans or some, I may be wrong about that. I think she was a maid of Orléans, but I, that could be wrong. I know she had visions. She was burned at the stake. Three times. She was burned three times? Yep. Wow. 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 It, they really loved their overkill, didn't they? <laughs> Part of her sainthood is the, the statement that the guards, after they cleared all the ashes and debris, found a perfectly formed human heart in the ashes, totally untouched. Mm. That's part of the, the mir- miracle part for the sainthood. Wow. Okay. I'm thinking this is like late 1200s, early 1300s. Um, so that's probably going to be somewhere in the Hundred Years War time frame. That was... My first thought was the Hundred Years War, so I would be good with that. All right. Uh, we're going to lock in with Hundred Years War. Okay. Addie? Uh, yeah, so, as soon as you start, I actually, as soon as you start reading out the question, I started messaging Chris thinking this is going in the direction of Hundred Years War, uh, which was exactly correct. A couple of fun things about that. Joan of Arc, first of all, was not actually, was caught, despite popular belief, Joan of Arc wasn't actually burned at a stake for witchcraft or anything like that. Because nope. technically they, could, they couldn't prove that. She was burned for cross-dressing, for yep. dressing as a man. Because uh, the, they did try to adhere to some sort of pr- legal process, and that was the charge they could actually make stick. And also the Hundred Years' War actually lasted 116 years. Didn't, because there were a little periods of peace in between. So didn't actually just last, strictly speaking, 100 years. But yeah, it was it was late 1300s going into the for, into the early 1400s because uh, England was preoccupied destroying Scotland before that. But yeah, it's a hundred years war. That's my partner dying in 1431. It was during the Hundred Years War. Yes, cool. Woo-hoo. Man, Addy dropping the knowledge on us. Or, or taking all of uh, Jonathan's script. I'm not sure which it was. Yeah, apologies for that. It's good info, though. Yeah, so so what's really ugly about the the dressing like a man thing is that uh, most of the time when a woman was a prisoner like that, they would send, uh, send them to a convent. Uh, but they didn't do that with her. They left her with the guards. And so she was at a high level of risk for being ill-treated. And part of the reason she was dressing as a man was to put all kinds of different obstacles in the way that made it less likely that someone would bother her. Wow. Yep. Uh, okay. Round two, question three, your category is literature. 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 What novel 
published posthumously for writer James Agee and winner of the 1958 Pulitzer Prize, shares a name with a 1988 storyline from Batman Comics that ends with the death of Jason Todd. Yeah, Addy, I'm 100% on that. Okay, I'm happy to trust you on that. Are you locked in? Yeah, I'm locked in. Uh, Ben and Tamara, you can talk it out. So, Tamara, I've not read this comic, but a lot of my comic book knowledge is adjacent because I get it from other people who have read these comics. I know that, um, like my friend Lance in Tallahassee, he's a huge comic book buff, and I remember him talking about the comic series where the Joker kills Robin, who was Jason Todd. And I think it was called Death in the Family, but I know that there was another famous comic called The Cruelest Joke or some some kind of play on the Joker doing something really bad. But I can't that I can't bring that to mind. So I think Death in the Family is the best I got here. That sounds familiar to me as a as a novel as well. Okay. So I'm comfortable locking that in. Yeah, she's totally the highbrow partner that's trying to attack it from the novel side. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the lowbrow partner. Yeah, we'll lock in Death in the Family. So the reason why I was kind of hesitant at first was that uh, about three or four years ago, the the author or the writer of Batman Comics – wrote a storyline called death of the family. And so that's what was throwing me off a little bit, but the answer, which I locked into is death in the family. And, uh, Ben, just to let you know, the one you're talking about is the killing joke where the Joker kills Barbara or uh, shoots Barbara Gordon, paralyzing her where later on she becomes Oracle and works out of her wheelchair. And Addie, that's why I didn't write you back was because it was a lot to write about. So, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I, I don't know comics, but, Fair enough. But we locked in with Death in the Family. All right. Uh, specifically, it is called A Death in the Family, and you are both getting credit because Death in the Family is good enough for me. Sweet. Good job. Yeah. That's a really good job by y'all. <laughs> yeah. My favorite comic book was actually the one where they, re- they introduced Tim Drake as the new Robin, and it's called A Lonely Place of Dying. And uh, it talks about like how hard Batman's life has been since Jason Todd died. And it was just, it's a, uh, it's a very, very good four issue series on that. So yep. anyway, what I remember my friend telling me is that Batman became especially vicious in the, in the immediately months. Like he would beat people to within an inch of their life. Oh yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. It was, it was great comic book reading. What did you think <laughs> of the Pulitzer prize winning novel, Ben? Um, it's obviously great. <laughs> <laughs> it won a Pulitzer, didn't it? It won a Pulitzer. Yes. <laughs> I especially appreciated the fact that it won a Pulitzer. That was an amazing part of it. (laughs) I'm teasing. At the end of the second round, the score is 50 to 50. We got a tie game. Nice. Round three, question one. Your category is podcasts. Mm. Slow Burn, a podcast produced by what company is currently doing a season on the murders of Biggie Smalls and Tupac Shakur after tackling Watergate and the Clinton impeachment in its first two seasons? And as much as I'd like to take credit for it, this is not an Oaks Media Group podcast. Ah, oh, you ruined our joke. I, you ruined our joke there. I literally just made it. I, just I, like, yeah. I felt it, guys. I am, I am the tiniest bit psychic, and I literally felt that moment happen in your, in your space. 
Um, I'm trying not to give anything away in my facial expressions that's going to give anything away to the other team. All right, we are locked in. Chris and Addy. So uh, I think Addy and I are kind of stumped on this one. Um, but Addy, any, I, I, I was trying to bring something out of you. Uh, so it's just like, it's called, they're called slow burns. So, and it, more than likely, if they have the resources to talk about this in depth, I'm wondering if it's like, like a media company of some sort. Yeah, that would make sense. Unfortunately, yeah. all the podcasts I listen to are trivia-based ones in you know, produced by the Oaks Media Group or other associated companies. Um, so unfortunately, I've never heard of this. I mean, because there's a TV company here called Fuse. And um, I mean, and I know they, they're very, uh, I don't know if you have that over uh, where you're at or not, but Fuse, they usually talk about, like, they have a lot of shows uh, that talk about true life crime stuff or marijuana stuff or, um, or those things like that. And, and you have a name like Fuse. I mean, that could be a slow burn, but I'm not. It, I've got I've got nothing better. I've, I've got I don't, really, I don't really listen to true 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 crime stuff. So yeah, it's too dark for my taste. So I really don't listen to that stuff either. So so just a guess. Uh, um, and hope for the best. Expect the worst. Yeah, I would say so. All right, we're locking in with Fuse, Jonathan. All right, Tamara and Ben. We didn't really know. I like I like their answer, Tamara. I think I thought of it right after we locked in. I think it's yeah. the same one that does Hit Parade, which is Slate. But unfortunately, okay. we locked in with NPR. Yeah, we were thinking it's probably going to be a left-leaning company politically because right-wing media companies aren't typically interested in hip-hop subjects unless it's a current event controversy. So we said NPR. NPR is a good answer, but Slate would have been a better one. Correct answer uh, is Slate. Yeah. Oh, man. I need to pay attention to the hip parade commercials. <laughs> <laughs> All right, round three, question two. Your category is, it's foosball, Baba Boucher. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you sounded like an Oompa Loompa when you said it like that, though. <laughs> well, that wasn't an Oompa. Uh, Oompa Loompa would be like, Oompa Loompa, doo-fa-dee-doo. I've got a football question for you. That, that's an Oompa Loompa. That's well done, by the way. Thank that you. is. All right, here we go. One is a current all-pro defender for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The other was a running back who played in the NFL from 1988 to 1998, spending most of those years playing for teams currently in the NFC South. Name either one of this father and son combo for 10 points and two bonus points if you can name both. All right, Addy, I'm going to go ahead and lock in with that one then. Yeah, right. American football, not my strong suit. Fair enough. <laughs> I worked a hundred years war question in there for you. You're doing all right. Oh yeah. Hey, I'm not, I'm not complaining. You know, it's, it's all good. I've got Chris on my team for this one. All right, Tamara. So for whatever reason today, I can't think of any, anybody that plays defense for the Pittsburgh Steelers today. <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking of Paula Malu and Paula Malu. <laughs> Ben's like Carnell Lake. Like I cannot think of any Steelers. This is really this is really bothering me. Did you think of Palomalu? I did think of Palomalu. And unfortunately, um, he's not active anymore. He's not active. He retired. <laughs> I'm gonna do. Is. I'm gonna do a before and after someday of Greg Lloyd Bridges. 
Guarantee. <laughs> Guarantee I'm doing that someday. Oh, that would be good. amazing. Yeah, I can't. This is not coming to me. So 88 to 98. So the NFC South is going to be Falcons. What I write? Falcons, Saints, Panthers, and Bucks. And 88 to 98. Okay, so for 88, if he got drafted in 88, his career ended in 98. I'm thinking this is probably not – we're probably not going to get it from the running back side because it's probably not – a big time running back if you play for multiple teams in a 10 year period. So it's going to be easier to get it from the Steelers side. If I could think of people other than Roethlisberger and bell and Pouncey, <laughs> they all play offense for the Steelers. Yeah. I'm, that's the problem. All the big names are the guys on the offense. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> you know, it's not going to be like Ryan Clark. He doesn't play for them anymore. Linebackers for the Steelers, current linebackers, current. I'm really blanking here. Suggs, Jatrell Suggs play for the Steelers. I don't think so. I don't know. We we should just lob a guess here. Are you looking for two names? It's going to be father and son. 88 to 98. That was Barry Sanders era. I don't know. I really don't know here. You want to just go with the Lucky Johnson, uh, Bill Johnson, and Fred Johnson? <laughs> sure. Why not? All right. We'll lock in with Bill Johnson and Fred Johnson. All right. Chris and Addy. Okay. So, um, Addy, just to let you know, um, and most people do know, I'm a Florida Gator fan. And uh, there's a former defense. <laughs> go Gator. Yeah. There's a former defensive back for the Gators that now plays for the Steelers. He played for the Browns originally, but now is with the Steelers called by the name of Joe Hayden. And I thought when I saw a Gator game that, Joe Hayden had a father that was in the NFL, but and that's why we locked in with Joe Hayden, and uh, I think his father's name was Michael. As I told Addy, I'm not 100%. This was uh, just some random fact knowledge that probably might be wrong in the back of my head. So It's a lot more anyway. than I had. All right, so your father and son combo that you're looking for are Cam and Craig Ironhead Hayward. Oh, Ironhead Hayward played five seasons with the Saints and another three seasons with the Falcons in a 10 year career from 88 to 98. And his son, Cam, is a three time all pro defender currently on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. I feel foolish. Yeah. Uh, All right. Round three. Question three. Your category is music. Music. I'm going to give you some lyrics from a song that spent four weeks at number one on the Billboard Top 100 in 1997, taking over the top spot from Tony Braxton's Unbreak My Heart. You need to give me the name of the song. Since I've given you so much information, you're not getting a lot of lyrics here, but it's possible. I won't be hasty. I'll give you a try. If you really bug me... Then I'll say goodbye. Chris, we can lock in on this. I'm 100%. Woohoo! Then yes. Is, yeah. Okay, we're locked in. I love the thunder. I feel like he put Tony Braxton in there for a reason. I don't know what that reason would be, though. I am almost positive that this is the Spice Girls. That okay. this is the. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I just can't think of what the actual title. Like, I think it's called Wannabe. 
Yes. I think the title yes, is it is. Mm-hmm. I'm like almost completely positive that that's wannabe. Okay. Let's lock in with wannabe. Addie and Chris. Addie, they're killing me. They're yeah, killing it's a, me. It's unusual that I'm actually confident on the music question. Uh, and, you know, there's an episode of Complete the List called Me Plus Music Equals Fail, uh, a quote <laughs> from me during the episode because of how bad I am at it. And as soon as you read the question, I thought, I really wish the song had been Unbreak My Heart because I love that song and I know the lyrics to that. But as soon as you started reading them, I knew that it was Wannabe by the Spice Girls. Correct answer is Wannabe by the Spice Girls. Now, Jonathan, you have to Reach sing out, Tamara. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. It's a right answer for both teams. Good job. <laughs> At the end of the third round, the score is 60 to 60. Tie game. We've been close right the way through. It's been neck and neck. All right, I'm about to get classical on you. Your category for the midpoint is story time. One of my favorite works by Russian composer Sergei Prokofiev was 1936's Peter and the Wolf. In the composition, each of the main characters is represented by a specific instrument. I'm going to name five characters. I want you to tell me which instrument represented each. I can tell you that in the case of one of these answers, it is a family of instruments and not a specific instrument. So I'll give you that clue. Uh, the characters I want you to give me the instrument for are Peter, the grandfather, the wolf, the bird, and the hunters. I especially love the versions of these that get narrated. I think they did a cartoon of it, and what writing this question made me want to ask, watch, show this cartoon to, to Sebastian. Not sure how well I'll do on it, but I love the question, Jonathan. Thank you. Yeah, same here. Great question. We're locked yes. in, by the way. One of the things Addie and I were talking about is that we got very little idea. So we're just kind of, um, we're kind of going from there. I told him, I remember there's an oboe in it. The bird almost has to be a flute. And uh, Addie agreed with that immediately. So the only one that we hadn't gotten to yet was the grandfather. And I just uh, text Addie. I think it's like, he's loving yet stern. And is there an instrument that kind of describes loving yet stern? Possibly something brass. Like a French um, horn, maybe? Yeah, it could be something like that. I mean, like, for the for Peter himself, I mean, I, I know that this story exists, and I know that Prokofiev uh, wrote it, and that's about all I know about it. I don't even know the plot of Peter and the Wolf. I want to listen to it now, though. But, because <laughs> there, there was a, yeah, there was a question about Peter and the Wolf and a quiz I did last night, but it was a Prokofiev question, and everyone guessed Peter and the Wolf except us, which was um, we got it right. And it wasn't Peter and the Wolf. My thinking was that Peter, as the protagonist, is going to be some sort of prominent instrument, something like a violin, possibly. Well, I mean, the music is dun 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 yeah, I mean, it's no, just, I uh, like I said, it's very whimsical. I mean, because I, I mean, that's Peter walking around or running around, and it's just like, but you know what I'm saying, though, Addy? It's just like, it's, I don't think, I don't know if that's, I don't think that's a violin. No, but now I know the music. Yeah. Because um, maybe the grandfather is the violin. Yeah, I'm happy to go with that. Okay. So. Think about that for a second. So we're going to lock in with the other four real quick, Jonathan. Uh, the grandfather, the violin, the wolf is the oboe, bird is flute, and the hunters is percussion. That's the uh, the group. 
so for Peter, I'm just trying to think of what is a whimsical sounding instrument. I can't think of anything because I, mean, I don't. It's not, it's not something like a clarinet or something like that. Oh, now that's I like that answer actually, because I think there's like a. I mean, is clarinet? It's you know what? I don't think we have a better answer, Addy, and we've already kind of. Uh, Okay. So I'm good with just locking in clarinet on that and just moving on because again we're just guessing. I've got nothing better than uh, than than what we've got. Okay, so Jonathan, our last answer for Peter, we're using the clarinet. Okay, Tamara and Ben. All right, so we locked in with uh, Peter being the violin, grandfather being a bass, wolf is tuba, bird is flute, and hunters are drums. All right. So here are the correct answers. I'm actually going to give you all of the seven characters here. The bird is the flute. And that was a good job. It's like, that's the flute. Uh, the duck was the oboe. I didn't ask for the duck, but the duck was the oboe. The cat was the clarinet. I didn't ask for the cat either. The wolf was the French horn. And that was like, do 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 it was it's a really cool sound the grandfather you got to think of an old deep voice it's the bassoon not a bass it's a bassoon uh the hunters were a timpani and peter was strings it was the whole string section so that makes sense for violin yes it was obviously more than just the violin from a scoring perspective because there there is a little bit of ambiguity with two of these things with strings versus violin and drums versus timpani in particular I am accepting violin as strings and I'm accepting drums as timpani so those are, I had known going in that I was going to give leeway for those. If somebody said drums, I was okay. If somebody gave a specific string, I was going to be okay. Uh, and so I think Ben and Tamara, you guys got three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Chris and Addie, you guys got two. Yep, I think so. That's right. Uh, I got us just have a flute and then... You said drums Stones. for the hunters. Well, we said percussion, but yeah. Okay. I'm giving yeah. you percussion, percussion as drums as okay. company. Okay, just make it sure. Yeah, so, I knew I knew I was going to be. be, be up, I want to be on the up and up. I knew I was going to give leeway on those two in particular, uh, so I had no problem with that at all. At the end of the midpoint, the score is seventy-two for Ben and Tamra to sixty-eight for Chris and Addie. All right, the first lead of the game. Round four, question one. Your category is Blame Canada. (laughs) Canada. What supportive brand, originally invented and trademarked in Canada in 1939, reached peak public awareness in the 1990s in the UK and US as a subsidiary of the Sarah Lee Corporation and is still sold today under a subsidiary of Haynes Brand Incorporated? Uh... We're locked in. So we both said that uh, we both caught on the supportive portion of that. 
we're thinking that it is a, uh, as uh, Bette Midler said in Beaches, the over-the-shoulder over boulder holder, uh, also known as a bra. Chris texted me to say that he'd never worn one before, which got me trying to think if I ever drunkenly had, because uh, my, my student days were adventurous. Were they a little bit of a blur for you, Addy? Well, funnily enough, no, because I can because I'm a lucid drunk who can remember everything. Don't always have control over my actions, but I can always remember everything that does happen. But no, I don't think that one ever happened. Um, Fair enough. So the first um, answer, I, the first thing I put in there was made in form, because uh, I think that is a bra company as well as they make um, like containers and stuff like that. But I'm I'm really not sure, Addy. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm failing you. Uh, no, right not now, at all. The only the only bra company I know is Wonder Bra, and I I thought I think that's too early for them. I think that was founded yeah. by Michelle Boney in the 80s or 90s. I'm happy I, to go with, with with your answer. Sure. Okay. We'll just go ahead and lock in with our shot in the dark of made in form, Jonathan. All right, uh, Ben and Tamara. When you said supportive, we knew that was a clue. So we were going towards either bras or pantyhose. And with Haynes Corporation, we kind of stuck with the pantyhose and said this is probably legs. So we locked in with legs, pantyhose. Oh, that's good. I My favorite part of this question is the fact that this answer was sold as a Sarah Lee company, which is a food company, which that I just love that part of this question. Uh, the correct answer is Wonder Bra. Oh, no! Wonder Bra was trademarked in Canada in 1939, and it was part of the wow. Can- Canada Lady such, such and Such Company, or Canadel was another part of the name, and it was bouncing around for, for years until no it really... Intended. <laughs> well, actually, no, no pun intended. Uh, it got purchased it was one of the in the Sarah Lee family of companies, and then when Sarah Lee was uh, was divested, hey, no one does it like Sarah Lee. <laughs> was divested, uh, it moved over and became a Haynes company. Yep. Wow. So Wonder Bra is your correct answer. Oh, Addy, I'm uh, sorry. Talks, oh. are, we talk, talks ourselves out of it. Yes. It was it was uh, the best selling bra in Canada in the sixties. Wow. It's a wonder. <laughs> All right. Round four, category two. Who am I? Is your category? Jonathan Oaks. Yes. We get the ten points. I'm going to read a fictional high school yearbook summary for a historical figure. You need to name the figure. Flemish male born in 1577. Voted most likely to open an art gallery. Dreams of traveling to Italy to be inspired by the Renaissance. Favorite song? Fat Bottom Girls by Queen. Uh, I'm happy to look this in, Chris. Go for it, buddy. All right, Tamara and Ben. My Flemish is what? Is uh, UK somewhere? No, Flemish is like Belgium, Netherlands area, I believe. Okay. My first thought with Fat Bottom Girls was Rubens. Rubens, okay. Because he was known for the curvier, painting curvier women. Okay. So if it's going to be Netherlands, is this going to be one of the vans, like Van Gogh or Van or Vaughn or anything like that? I don't think so. It wouldn't be Van Gogh. Um, so Ruben, the time frame is, is right for Rubens, as far as you know? I'm not great with the time period on artists. Okay. 
but that's all I could think of. Uh, I'm certainly not going to try to sway you off of it because I don't have anything. So we'll go ahead and lock in with Rubens. Okay. Addy and Chris. Uh, yeah, as soon as you said Renaissance Belgian Pinter, I got a bit worried because there's quite a few of them. Um, you know, are you gonna, are you going to be asking us the difference between Bruegel the Elder and Bruegel the Younger? Uh, but as soon as you said Fat Bottom Girls uh, by Queen, Rubenesque is a synonym for uh, for larger women. So I said Rubens. Flemish refers to the area of Flanders, which is in the is part of the Netherlands uh, Low Countries area there. I ho neighbor. Highly, <laughs> holy. Uh, yes, the correct answer is Peter Paul Rubens. Nice job, Addy. Great well job, Tamara. Thank you. Man, our guests are making us look good today, man. They sure are. Question, I've got questions on art and music. Correct. This is this is not my wheelhouse, but if anyone wants to give me points and those sort of uh, give me low points on those sort of questions and learn they can be very grateful. <laughs> I, do, I do really badly on those normally so uh, you're crushing it Addy maybe you just haven't it? had the right question writers Addy maybe round four question three your category is I asked for the veggie plate <laughs> what aquatic echinoderm with an easy to remember name has the questionable defense mechanism of eviscerating itself by ejecting its internal organs from its mouth, butt, or even through the side of its body. Apparently, predators are left so confused that they swim off in search of less dramatic prey. Addy, whatever you're typing in, just lock it in. (laughs) I knew the word aquatic, and that's about it, so I'm good. All right, you locked in, Addy? We're locked in, yeah. All right. Sam, what do you know about echinoderms? Echinoderms are things... With spiky skin, I believe. Okay. Easy to remember name. Blowfish? Um, mm, that's easy to remember, but they like puff themselves up. So that's yeah, true. And then the clue where the category was I asked for the veggie plate. Mm, easy to remember. I was thinking Sea Star, but I don't think they do that. I don't think they have a mouth. Yeah. I wish I knew what echinoderms were. I thought they would be like a shellfish, but I guess that probably is not right. Because I was thinking shrimp initially, but I don't think this would be shrimp. No. Or a uh, squid or jellyfish. Yeah, I know squids shoot ink as their defense. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it would be like a sea urchin. Easy to remember name. Mm-hmm. Anemone. Anemone. Could it be? Could it be an anemone? Because you remember things by using a mnemonic. Mm, I like it. Want to go with that? Let's go with yeah. Let's go with C anemone. All right, lock in C anemone. All right, Addy. I think you're the person on your team who locked it in. Yeah, and I'm slightly worried now because I quite like their answer on the basis of, yeah, on the connection to easy to remember. But I got this, uh, my answer was based on the category of veggie plate. Uh, and I thought this would therefore have to do with vegetable, although technically it is a fruit, uh, specifically a cucumber. So I was thinking there is a Pokemon called Pukumuku, which is based on this animal. And I believe this is what it behaves like. So I said sea cucumber. Based on the category, 
It's going to have a vegetable name, and the correct answer is a sea cucumber. Nice job, Addy. Mm. Thank you. We were never going to get there, Tamara. I'm good with that. A sea cucumber does have very spiny skin. You described that really well. Oh, good. (laughs) That's crazy, though. It's just like, oh, no, I'm being attacked. (laughs) (laughs) Here's my liver. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Did he just throw his liver at me? Yeah, whoa, dude, you're just way too dramatic for me. I'm out of here. I'm going to go eat that school of fish. Whoa, my name's Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Score change at the end of the fourth round, 88 to 82. Chris and Addy have taken a lead. All right, round five, question one. Your category is famous people. What 80s hitmaker surprised eagle-eyed moviegoers with a cameo as Inspector Good in 1991's Hook and added another movie credit as the uncredited narrator in 1999's Tarzan? Yeah, if you're good at it, we'll go ahead and do that. I trust you. All right. Well, (laughs) don't trust me that much, but we're locked in, Jonathan. Ben and Tamara. All right. We're on a struggle bus, Tamara. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your Phil Collins thing. Yeah, I know that he did the music for the animated film Tarzan. Is this the animated version, 1999? Because uh, there was a live action one also. Oh, I have no idea. That could be. I don't remember. I don't remember Tar. Yeah, the animated yeah, version remember. of Tarzan wasn't 99. No, and I don't remember a narrator either. Yeah, so the 1999 Tarzan must be the live action one. Was that the Brendan Fraser one? I think it would have to be. I didn't really see that one all the way through, so I don't know what the narration would be. Would they? Would the narrator have an English accent? Since part of that would have been set in, in wasn't wasn't Tarzan's family from England? I think Jane and. And her dad were. So I don't know yeah. if I would think that that your first guess would be better. I think of Bono more as a nineties hit maker than an eighties. So Okay. Well, I mean the first name I threw out was Billy Idol. That was just a wild guess though. But he's he definitely has an English or accent, right? Yeah. Okay. I believe so. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm thinking like who would have a, a voice that would be enjoyable to listen to from a narration and Phil Collins doesn't immediately strike me. No, no. And now that, now that you mention the years and I think you're right on the not animated. So yeah, I think that your guess is as good as anything I'm going to come up with at this point. Okay. We'll lock in Billy Idol. Okay, so uh, we originally, uh, we heard Eagle Eye, and I was like, oh, it's oh, Eagles. Uh, Glenn Fry's done a lot of roles. And then Addy smartly said, wait a second, the years don't match up. That's more 70s. When he said 80s, I was like, you're right, it's not Glenn Fry. And then it was like uh, Tarzan, the animated. And I was like, I think that is around 99. You know what? <laughs> Phil Collins absolutely looks like one of the people that could have been in the background of uh, Hook. And so uh, Addy said, do what you do. And we locked in with Phil Collins. Oh, God. You would find the answer in the air tonight. Oh, no. It is Phil Collins. 
So Phil Collins wow. played the inspector who came to the house after the break-in where Hook stole the kids. There's like all the stuff like broken down in the house. So he was the inspector that came to investigate. And yeah, he did the music for Tarzan and was also the uncredited narrator. Wow. <sighs> Brendan, Brendan Fraser, by the way, I think he was George of the Jungle. George of the yeah. Jungle. George, George, George okay. of the Jungle, strongest. I, I yeah. had no thunder on that. Tarzan was definitely 1999. Well done, Chris. That was all okay. you. To be honest with you, that's literally the reason I didn't say animated because I didn't want to just make it so, just go to animated Tarzan. I wanted you to figure that. Yeah. All right. All right. Round five, question two, your category is literature. 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 What author of the Broken Earth series is the only writer to win the Hugo Award for Best Novel three years in a row? She won for the fifth season, The Obelisk Gate, and The Stone Sky in 2016, 2017, and 2018, respectively. We are locked in. All right, this might end up being good for you, Addy. That way you could talk it out a little bit. This is killing me. Because I told you I have no idea. This is killing me because I was discussing this recently with someone because I am forever getting the Broken Earth series mixed up with the Earth Sea series, which I know is Ursula Le Guin. And I feel like a question about Hugo Award winners is going to be either Ursula Le Guin or this other person whose name I can't actually remember. Uh, so okay. I'm just going to take a minute to try and think. Oh, okay. oh, Here, do the alphabet in your head if you need to, or just think, is it a common name or is it a less common name? Honestly, I've got no idea because I've never read anything from either. It's not going to come to me. I think I'm just going to have to say like, say Le Guin and just okay. kick myself. Nope, so l- locking in with Ursula Le Guin. All right. Tamara and Ben? Oh, we had no idea at all. <laughs> I knew it was either you got it or you had no idea. I knew it was one of those two. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to play around. There's no sense of us spending time on nothing. So I said I just picked Anne Rice because I know she's a woman that writes books. So we locked in with Anne Rice. All right. So I was turned on to this series by Rachel Schumann, and I've been reading through it, and it is fantastic. The correct answer is N.K. Jemison. N.K. Jemison is the writer of the Broken Earth series. Would that have come I was to never, you, Addy? Never. Okay. Then you made the right call just uh, moving on. If you're a sci-fi, dystopian future kind of person, really good stuff for you right there. You should check it out. And round five, question three, your category is America's Sweethearts. America. What future breast cancer survivor won Olympic gold for the U.S. in figure skating at the age of 19 in 1976? Tamara has resting confused face. <laughs> it's my thinking <laughs> face. I always asks what's wrong when I make that face. <laughs> Addie, I didn't mean to put hey there, so ignore that last part. Yeah. <laughs> hey there. Hi-oh. All right. We're locked in, Jonathan. All right. Tamara and Ben. Yep, it's all you, Tamara. So the two names that I thought of gear skating, and I'm really bad at years, um, were Dorothy Hamill and Peggy Fleming. I know Dorothy Hamill is more well-known, but for some reason, with a breast cancer survivor, Peggy Fleming is, is ringing a bell for me. So I think we'll go ahead with Peggy Fleming. Yeah, let's do it. Lock it in. Okay. Uh, and Chris. You know, Addy, 
Yeah, you know, Addy, if uh, you said Dorothy Hamill to me, I think I probably would have gone with that because I think that might be right. But we also locked in with Peggy Fleming. Auntie M. Auntie M. Correct answer is Dorothy Hamill. Oh. Oh. <laughs> On the cusp of greatness. Sorry, Ben. Hey, no, no need to apologize. Yeah, the only American skaters I can I know are Kerrigan and Harding, and I knew that was uh, 15 years too early for them. At the end of the fifth round, scores 98 to 82, Chris and Andy extended their lead. And round six, category one is geography. Geography. The Jutland Peninsula is home to what country? If you have enough kroner, you can possibly take a boat across the North Sea from here to the Faroe Islands. I, I can lock in. I'm 100% on this. Yep. Uh, whatever Addy says. Jutland Peninsula, Faroe Islands, Kroner. So that's that's the currency, obviously. Is that going to be Netherlands? I'm thinking it's Denmark. Denmark, I believe, okay. I believe Denmark is the one that just juts up into, mm-hmm. into the sea there. Mm-hmm. Faroe Islands. So North Sea. That seems like the right place for that, because isn't the North Sea between England, Bo- mainland, Scandinavia. and Scandinavia? Yeah, yeah, Scandinavia. Yeah. Okay. You want to go with Denmark then? Yeah, let's go All with right. Denmark. We'll lock in Denmark. Chris and Eddie. Jutland is probably best known to historians as being the as the location for the Battle of Jutland, the most the most significant naval battle of World War One. It is the land that juts off the north of Germany. It is Denmark. Correct answer is Denmark. Addy knows stuff. <laughs> I, I know a European geography, which is handy, because later on tonight I'm doing a geography quiz hosted by Jeremy Cameron's Brain Bash Trivia. So hopefully that will come up. Mm. All right. All right. Round six, question two. Your category is vocabulary. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, partner. <laughs> what word? Defined as an outcast or a person who is despised or rejected is the name of a DC Comics character introduced in Crisis on Infinite Earths number one in 1985. Still out, Chris? I'm a little more in. Mm. Addy, I don't think I spelled it right, but I'm about 98% sure. I'm happy to lock in with that if you're, if you're confident. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. Always lock in. Okay, we're locked in. Halfway through the reading of the question, Chris is like, hold on. Wait a minute. Did you say comic books? <laughs> At a huge disadvantage here, Tamara, I can't attack this from the comic book side because I'm not familiar enough with those characters. I'm thinking it's probably not any character that's familiar to mainstream public because your DC characters like Batman, Flash, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, all of those characters existed way before 1985. So Crisis on Infinite Earths, I know a little bit, a tiny weeny bit about Crisis. It was kind of a, it was a watershed moment for comics. And when you hear people talk about the history of characters, they say post-crisis versus pre-crisis. And I think that was the specific thing they're talking about. Uh, so Outcast, this would be like a grifter He also said it was someone who was despised or hated, correct? Despised or rejected, right. Or rejected. So. I didn't say it was a person who. I said the word means. Okay. Despised or rejected. But but I would think that would be more negative than 
peon or mm-hmm. trying to think too because Ooh, what about Bane? Ooh, I like that. Bane is definitely a DC character. Bane of my existence. I don't know if the year is right or not. I don't have anything else, and that makes sense to me. Okay. We're going to lock so. in with Bane. Okay. Chris and Addie. All right. I, I kiddingly said I'm out right when you said uh, vocabulary, but then when you said DC Comics character, uh, it took me a minute and then I remembered there was a bright gold character, and I believe his name was Pariah. And so we locked in with Pariah. Um, ben, just to let you know, I think Bane was around 91, and that was in the Nightfall series for Batman. So, okay. so you locked in with Pariah? Yes. Correct answer? Pariah. Wow. Yeah. A pariah nice job, is a person Ooh. who is despised or rejected. They are defined as an outcast. I honestly, I wrote the question as a vocabulary question and added the last bit about comics just to give an off chance for someone who's totally unrelated to knowing vocabulary words to have a shot at it. Uh, and Chris <laughs> goes, Chris goes, for, I mean, that's like a, that's, it's a nobody character. You don't see him again. Or if you do, it's, it's, it's only in that series that he was a big deal. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was pretty great, Chris. I actually did treat it as a vocabulary question because I was just starting to write out a list of words that, that fit the definition. And then Chris said, just said, pariah. Okay. Yeah. You know what? That's a word that fits the definition. Yep, that's <laughs> That'll it. Do. All right. Round six, question three, your category is, I hear voices. Huh? What? What actor and notable friend of Michael Jackson as a child and teenager was the voice of young Copper in 1981's The Fox and the Hound and the voice of Donatello in 1990's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I'm 100%. I'm, I actually take that back, Addy. I'm a thousand and a half percent. Then I will trust you and I'm happy to lock in. All right, we're locked in. Chris, do you need a meow meow? Oh, I need like 8,000 Meow Meows. Meow Meow! That's um, a lot of Meow Meows. So many. The max is three. There's no such <laughs> thing as 8,000. My apologies, Ben. <laughs> see, I've got my own Meow Meow. I got you. I see. Meow. All right, so, Tamara, the first name that came to mind was Macaulay Culkin. That's the same here. But, but he would not be old enough in 1981 to voice a character. Because Home Alone came out in like the late 80s. So that he would have been like, well, let me let me think about that. Ben's like, he would have been a fetus. <laughs> so I know that in 91, <laughs> he was in the um, he was in the music video Black or White that Michael Jackson did. I believe that was 92. And he was probably just barely a teenager then. So anybody who was in 81 from 92, that's 11 year difference. So he would have had to be at least 15 or 16 by 92 to be old enough to be voicing a character in 1981. So I don't think this is Macaulay Culkin here. Is this someone who was new Michael Jackson when they were a kid or when they were both kids? It's when, that, it's when the, the person who's the answer was a child and teenager. Child and teenager. Okay. So 
this is someone probably born in the 70s. So, um, I admit it, it was me. <laughs> or, you know, it could be someone older that has a young voice that could have played these characters. So, Donatello. You said Donatello in the animated series or the movie? I said 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, so that would be animated series. I'm thinking like like a Matthew Broderick, somebody like that. Okay. Yeah, somebody like a Matthew Broderick or a child and teenager. It could even be somebody like Alfonso Ribeiro because Alfonso Ribeiro was in the Pepsi commercial that Michael Jackson did in the 80s. And he's older than I am, which means he would have been old enough in 81 to voice. But when I think of Donatello and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I don't think that's Alfonso Ribeiro's voice. I mean, it could be him. I feel like... hmm. That's the best answer I have right now. That's someone who I know knew Michael Jackson as a child and teenager. He was on Silver Spoons. Yeah, I'm good with going with that because I, I really don't know. Okay, we're going to go with Alfonso Ribeiro. All right, Chris and Eddie. Yeah, so I had no idea about the young copper. So I appreciate that little bit of information. That's that's kind of cool to know, Jonathan. But I got it strictly based off of the fact that not so young Chris, I guess he was eight, 16-year-old Chris, went and saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, about six times in the theater. Yes, I was a nerd. And Corey Feldman was the voice of Donatello. Oh, that's... So he referred, he, he referred to his friend Michelangelo as Mikey in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and he referred to Mikey when he was Mouth in the Goonies. It is Corey Feldman. So nice Corey, one, Corey Feldman has a, actually wrote a book <sighs> about his time with Michael Jackson and all kinds of stuff in that vein. That's who I was thinking of, that I just couldn't even get a word out of my head. Chris and Addie coming on strong at the end there uh, with a score of 128 to 92. Chris and Addie have a lead going into the gauntlet and your gauntlet category is going to be things that are worse than 2020. (laughs) (laughs) You must have really struggled to come up with these questions. (laughs) Our our wages locked in. All right, Jonathan, we're locked in. All right, here are your gauntlet questions. Question number one, in things that are worse than 2020. At the start of World War I, Germany enacted what is known as the Schlaffen Plan, which required Germany to invade what country first in order to open an easier path towards Paris? The attack of this neutral country violated the Treaty of London and brought Great Britain into the war. Okay, we're locked in with uh, Addy's answer. All right. Our answer's locked in. Coo, coo, coo. Uh, question two. The Garden of Earthly Delights is a painting of pretty much exactly the opposite. At a quick glance, I see some weird crab-like tower, a man eating food from a bird's mouth, and a woman strung up inside of a giant harp. Anyway, who painted it? Okay. Uh, we're locked in. So our answer is locked in, Jonathan. All right. Question three. An increasingly popular meme originally focused on a woman with an asymmetric bob haircut asking to speak to a manager while being both simultaneously ignorant and entitled is typically associated with what name? Chris, I can go ahead and lock that in. 
Okay, uh, this is the uh, a- this is the Addie Lewis show. I'm just paying rent. How many quid are you paying, Chris? <laughs> if I knew how much a quid was, I would absolutely tell you. But that shows you how naive I am. So we're locked in, uh, Tamara and Ben. Our answer is also locked in. All right, we're going to go back through. I asked you which country Germany invaded first to open up an easier path to Paris. Tamara and Ben, what did you say? We went with Switzerland. All right. And Chris and Andy, what did you say? Uh, the Treaty of London forced the UK into the war because they were honor bound to honor this. Uh, in order to get to Paris, you first have to go through the country between. Uh, for they say round going through the French border, which was heavily fortified. They say they basically flank all the French defenses, skip them out completely, and go through neutral Belgium instead. All right. Question two: I asked you who painted the Garden of Earthly Delights. Addy and Chris, what did you say? This is a gigantic triptych that shows heaven, hell, and purgatory. It's an enormous painting by someone who was famous for painting lots of weird stuff relating to the afterlife. Uh, it's uh, Hieronymus Bosch. Tamara and Ben, what did you say? We also, I was almost 100% certain it was Hieronymus Bosch. So we locked in with Bosch. All right. Ben, we're letting our partners talk for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Scotland>. <laughs> and the last question. An increasingly popular meme focused on a woman with an asymmetric bob asking to speak with a manager. Addie and Chris, what did you say? I have a co-worker of this name who is ever frustrated by the associations. Uh, it is Karen. Tamara and Ben, what did you say? Karen. Karen, okay. So Karen. let's find out. We're going to go in reverse order with our answers. The answer to question three, the woman who wants to speak with a manager is named Karen. Uh, the Garden of Earthly Delights is painted by none other than Hieronymus Bosch. Good job holding your ground nice there, job, Tamara. Addy. And uh, <laughs> the neutral country that you were looking for that Germany invaded first as part of the Schlaffen plan was Belgium. Yes, Addy. Wow. Thank you. Addy, as you described, the they had to go north up into Belgium to get around the French lines because the border between France and Germany was too heavily fortified. Yeah, it was it was quite funny, really, because the French knew that Germany could invade and spent so much time and effort um, looking at the, setting up, you know, fortifying, making it utterly impenetrable on the French side. The Germans said, you know what? Let's not really bother with that. Let's just go through. Let's go through someone else, which the French just didn't realize. And they, it, it ended badly for them. Yeah. You don't think somebody's going to go invade another country just to get to you. Uh, all right. So we're going to find out our final score. Ben and Tamara, what did you wager? Tamara, we had them where we wanted them. We doesn't get the questions right. Our logic was we think that they were going to be confident and go for the lockout here. And so we said we're going to only wager 20 because we both miss it. We can end up ahead. So we wager 20. All right, so you finished okay. with 72 points. Ben, I'm sorry, Chris and Andy, what did you wager? Yeah, we kind of went back and forth. I'm not really sure what we wanted to bet, but we ended up exactly what Ben talked about, which is uh, we wanted to go for the lockout, so we bet 57. With a final score of one, uh, no, hold on, 185 to 72, your winners are Chris and Addy. Addy, job, nice guys. job, buddy. Thank you. Nice job. Good game, Great job, guys. Chris. Great game, guys. That was it. Was very it was close all the way through. 
You know, you really could have had Addy against the three of us. It would have it would have been a fair <laughs> match. <laughs> I very much doubt that. <laughs> so the questions felt quite well. Because yeah, there are a lot of Eurocentric questions which worked in your favor, Addy. That, that's true, yeah. That was uh, luck of the draw, actually. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I believe that. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right, so we like to give our our contestants a chance to give shout-outs or promote a cause they care about. Tamara, we will start with you. I just want to give a shout-out to my family for letting me be in peace for, wow, <laughs> two and a half hours. And you this have been completely yeah, in the quiet. How amazing is that? I know my oldest just came in to get his iPad once, but he was silent. So shout-out to them. I think the other thing is just, you know, everyone, I think... We're all kind of starting to really struggle with this not going out. And I know things are starting to change a little bit, but uh, I think just remember to take care of ourselves and reach out when we need it. Cause I know it's a struggle. Yeah. Just remember to, to do what you need to do for you and, and uh, keep on keeping on. Absolutely. Well yeah. All right. And Addie. Yeah, thank, just want to say thank you very much, Jonathan, Chris and Ben for having me on the show. It was fantastic quizzing with you, Chris, and against you, Ben. Uh, I'd like to say thank you to all the people who are hosting quizzes online at the moment. That's helping keep helping to keep us sane. Uh, I'm doing most of, almost all my quizzes with the same team, so I'd like to shout out to them. They, we are a team no better social distancing than the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, we are uh, That's what we call ourselves. We do about 15 or so quizzes a week. We are Nicole Newlist, David Rowe, Brian Nieves, Jane Carmichael, and Clinton Reese. So thank you very much. You guys are keeping me sane through these these long days. That's a good group. Very that's a good. lot of that's a fun group. <laughs> and do you want to say anything about the proxy pub quiz? Uh, yes, uh, yes. Uh, I also host a monthly pub quiz which I send out by email. It's called Addie's Proxy Pub Quiz. It's sixty questions every month that I send out on the first of each month. So uh, please do. Uh, get in touch if you'd like to take part fantastic and that is going to wrap us up so thank you to addy and tamra and for ben and for chris i am jonathan and this has been another episode of trivial warfare where it's not just trivia it's war bye everybody take care everybody take care take care thanks for listening to trivial warfare be sure to check out the revamped trivialwarfare.com as your one-stop shop to submit questions, join the community, and get access to over 150 archived episodes. Warm It Up was written and performed by Matthew Stevens. This episode was edited and produced by me, Joel Sharpton. For help with your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Hey! How are you? Um, okay, I'm glad. That, that never happens. I don't quite know what happened there. That's never really happened before. Uh, you sound like me in the bedroom. <laughs> like Shut a, up, Bob. I swear that never happens. I don't know what's going on. It's the first time. All right. So, oh, oh. Ah! What's squeaking? It was a raccoon. Really? A lot of my TikTok videos are animal-based. <laughs> There's some awesome wow. animal videos on TikTok, y'all. It's so I was great. Like, what is Rambo doing down there? <laughs>